Uh, if I have not introduced myself already, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and uh, I get the privilege to continue our current sermon series called Armor. And uh, if you haven't been here in a few weeks, let me encourage you to go back to our social media platforms and check out the previous sermons uh, and messages around this series. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground over the last several weeks, and uh, today we're going to be in the next part of this particular series, and we'll actually wrap our Armor series up next Sunday, and uh, I'm excited for that um, as well, okay? So here's what we've learned so far, and I'm not going to spend a, a ton uh, of time on this, but just so you kind of have a high-level high understanding of what the Apostle Paul was talking about uh, in our primary passage for this series. It's Ephesians chapter number six, starting in about verse number 10, all the way down through the end of the chapter, and the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Ephesus that there are some tools or or some resources that are available to the body of Christ uh, to help us when we face the difficulties and struggles of life. So in week one, we learned that life is a battleground and we're all in a, in a battle. Uh, and, and the battle that we are fighting is a spiritual battle between the forces of good against the forces of evil, against God and his arch enemy. We know him as, as Satan. And we know that there are things that we face in life that are just difficult for us, and, and we need some tools and some resources to be able to fight this battle and to stand firm in our faith. Uh, the first thing we talked about in week two was the belt of truth, and we learned that truth is a person. Uh, his name is Jesus, and we learn that we can know Jesus in a very real, in a very personal way, and if we know truth, we can actually live according to the truth. Then we talked about the body armor of righteousness. And in this particular message, Trent talked to us about the idea that righteousness symbolizes our right standing with God, not based on anything that we have done, but because of what his son Jesus did for us when he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and resurrected from the grave. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are righteous in God's eyes because of what Jesus did for you. Uh, the next week, we talked about the shoes of peace. We learned that the good news is great news for everybody. Uh, the, the, the gospel is for everybody. And we learned that it is good news and we need to be prepared to go and share our faith. Last week, we talked about the idea of taking up the shield of faith. Uh, the shield of faith has to do with a, an absolute confidence that we can have in the promises of God to defend us and to protect us in our battle against the enemy. And we learned that we don't fight for victory as Christ followers. We fight from victory because Jesus has already won the battle again when he resurrected from the grave. Today, we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. We're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. And the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 17. He said, take the helmet of salvation. And there's a picture there of uh, what could have been maybe uh, an early first century Roman helmet. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of a sports fan, so I kind of relate um, everything to, to, to sports. And, and as I was thinking about the helmet, I was thinking about how important it is to protect us. And how many of you times have you ever been watching a football game on TV uh, and the last thing the quarterback does before he leaves the sideline to go 
out onto the field to play the game. What does he do? He puts his helmet on, all right? So the helmet would have been the last piece of armor that a Roman soldier would have put on his body, or in this case, would have put on his head just before going out to fight the battle or engaging in some kind of conflict. And I've got some different pictures of some helmets here just so we can kind of understand the idea of a helmet. I think we all kind of get this, okay? Uh, I'm not a motorcycle guy, but I, if I was, I would wear a helmet, all right? Uh, I just like to protect this noggin, okay? Uh, not that it's pretty or anything like that, but here's what I know. If I take a shot to the head, that's probably the last chance that, that, that I'm going to get. Uh, there's a softball player there. What's she got? She's got her batting helmet on. There's a football player there. He's got his helmet on. And uh, the helmet specifically uh, is what protects our head. And it's what, uh, as I was watching the news this week and watching some of the coverage of, of, of the war that's going on in Ukraine, when they would scan through the, uh, through the streets and you would see those soldiers, every single one of them had a helmet on, uh, even all the way down to the press corps. Uh, the people that are reporting the news, when they come live on TV, uh, they've, they've got a helmet on because they know and understand that if, if they don't protect their head, there's a really good chance that, that, that they're going to be, they're gonna be um, done for. The word salvation literally means to deliver. Salvation means to deliver. And I could stand here and talk uh, for, for several minutes, uh, maybe the better part of the day, about things that we encounter in our life that we need to be delivered from. How many of you would be transparent enough to say, Pastor Brian, there's something in my life today that I need deliverance from in my life? Would you just raise your hand? If that's you online, type, type that in, uh, in, in the comments section. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a fear. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe there's a vice in your life that it seems like it's just, it's just clamped down on you and it's strangling you and it's, it's, it's keeping you, you captive. Uh, maybe it's, it's baggage from something or someone that you've, that you've let kind of uh, uh, have a place in your life uh, from somebody in your past. I don't know what it is that you need deliverance from today, but here's what I hope that we will all understand. When Paul says, take the helmet of salvation, I want us to wrap our minds around what salvation really means today so that we can understand how we can be free and how we can be delivered from the things uh, that, 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 that hold us back today. Now, there's two ways that we could run at this idea of salvation, and we don't have time to do both of them today, okay? The first thing that I think the Apostle Paul is trying to help the church at Ephesus understand is that the helmet of salvation is provided to us to uh, protect our mind and our thought life. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's, just ba that's a battlefield for me. Uh, a battlefield for me is the struggle that I have with, with my thought life, even to the extent that last night, before I laid my head down, I had this thought that entered my mind, and I, I, I know where it came from, but I kind of don't really understand it. And, and this thought came from, Brian, uh, you are not capable enough, and you are not good enough to stand on stage tomorrow, so why are you even going to try? And, and it was just like a dart, 
that just flashed through my mind. You know what? My mind immediately turned toward a negative thought in that moment. And, and how many of you know that our mind is a battlefield that the enemy loves to play with. So I think when, when Paul says, take the helmet of salvation, one of the things that he wanted to help the church at Ephesus understand is that yes, our mind is a battlefield and the enemy loves to attack our mind. And if that's something that you struggle with on a consistent basis, I just want to recommend two resources to you today that I would highly encourage you uh, to check out. Uh, I'm a big reader, so I love to read books. One is a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. It's by a popular author and speaker. Her name is Joyce Meyer. Maybe you want to snap a picture of the, of the screen today and, and do some research. But that is a classic book on how you can fight the battle in your mind against the enemy. And if you've been around Epic very long, you remember the study that we did about a year or so ago called Winning the War in Your Mind. And we gave away that book as part of that particular study. And I would highly recommend if something that you struggle with is the, the battlefield of the mind and the enemy just seems to never let up uh, in, in your mind and in your thought life, check out these two resources because they will help you understand from a biblical perspective how to be victorious and how to fight that battle against the enemy. The second way that we can run at our talk today, and this is what I want to do today, I want to kind of peel back uh, the layers of the onion, so to speak, on this idea of salvation a little bit, and I want to get to the fundamental meaning, the fundamental root of what Paul is talking about here when he's, when he's talking about take up the helmet of salvation. And when he's talking about the helmet of salvation, he's talking to directly as to how uh, we view sin in our life and how sin affects us and the struggle that we have against the enemy. You see, I'm convinced in almost 30 years of, of vocational Christian ministry, as I've talked to many Christ followers, and today is going to be another one of those conversations that I think we need to have as Christ followers uh, around this idea of salvation. But if you're not saved and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're checking out church. Maybe you're here today because somebody invited you and promised to give you to buy you lunch after the, the service is over. Whatever reason you're here, I hope that we will all walk away with a very clear understanding of what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says, take up the helmet of, of, of salvation. Because as I've talked to Christ followers for almost 30 years, uh, there are many, many times that I walk away from conversations thinking to myself, this person doesn't really understand what salvation means. And I think there are a lot of Christians today, and maybe this is some of you either watching online or on campus today, a lot of people think that salvation is just my, my get out of hell free card, that I'm born again, and I don't have to do anything else. I can just live any way that, that, that I want to live. I can do whatever I want to do. I can say whatever I want to say. I can hang around with whoever I, I want to hang around because I've said a prayer. I've invited Jesus into my life and I'm born again and I'm going to heaven. Okay. Now, I'm an advocate for salvation. I believe that is the most important decision that we will ever, ever make in our life. But church, please, please, please understand, okay? Salvation is not the finish line. It is the starting point for our faith. It is in that moment that Jesus Christ does something supernatural in our life that changes <clears throat> 
that changes the trajectory of our life spiritually. So what I want to do today is unpack this idea of, of, of salvation. And I need to ask your permission to do something today before we dive in, if that's okay, all right? Uh, today, to get to the root of what I, I want to talk about, uh, we're going to need to be a little bit churchy today. Is that okay? Is that okay if we get a little bit churchy? I know in the contemporary church today, we don't like to, uh, to talk about churchy stuff sometimes, but at the end of the day, we're a church, okay? And we're part of the body of Christ. So I wanna kind of take a deep dive today into this idea of salvation so that we really understand uh, the power and the difference that is made available to us because we are, because we are Christ followers. And my prayer for those of you who do not have a relationship with Jesus is by the end of my talk today, not because of anything great that I'm gonna say, but that you would understand what Jesus Christ has done for you and the victory and the freedom that can be had in your life. And I pray today will be the day when you cross the line of faith and say yes to Jesus. So what I wanna do today, I wanna unpack three biblical, churchy, doctrinal, theological, whatever you want to call these words, okay? I want to unpack three words that are very, very important to help us understand this idea of salvation, okay? The first word is the word justification, okay? The first word is the word justification. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Rome in Romans chapter number five, starting in verse number 18. He says, so then... As through one trespass, that word trespass there could be translated sin, okay? So then, so through one sin, there is condemnation for everyone. So let's stop there for just a moment. What's he talking about, all right? He's talking about the moment when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he created them in a perfect environment. And he said, you can have everything that I've created for you and the abundance that it provides, except stay away from this one tree. And it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you know the story because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They sinned against God in that moment. That's what he's talking about there in verse number 18. He says, so then as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. We are all born into this world as a result of the choice and the decision that Adam and Eve made. We are born into this world with a, a sin nature. He says, so also through one righteous act... There is life-giving justification. What was the one righteous act? The one righteous act was when Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and came to this earth and lived as a perfect human being for 33 years. He willingly laid down his life on a Roman cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and he resurrected from the grave once and for all. So through one man's sin, we're all born sinners, but because of one man's righteous act, we all can be victorious over sin. Sin. He says, life-giving justification for who? For everyone. That's you, that's me, that's red, yellow, black, and white. We are precious in his sight. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Salvation is available to everyone. It says, for just as through one man's disobedience, that would be Adam and Eve, the many were made sinners, that's you and I. So also through one man's obedience, that's Jesus, uh, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass. All that means is the law in the Old Testament was there to show people how sinful they were. 
and to show us our need for God. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. Why? So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in what? Resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let me try to unpack justification for you in simple terms, okay? Justification simply is what takes place or what occurs at the moment we invite Jesus into our life and we say yes to Jesus, and it signifies uh, that, that we have invited Jesus into our life to be our Lord and to be our Savior. And in that moment, God exchanges our sin nature, our unrighteousness, for the perfect sinless nature of Jesus Christ himself. That's what justification means, all right? Uh, to put it even more plain or more simple, try to remember this if you can. Justified simply means just as if I'd, you get it? Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. So when we say yes to Jesus, in that moment, God wipes away our sin, past, present, and future, and God sees us through the blood of Jesus just as if I'd never sinned. Isn't that good news? That's great that I don't have to live up to any kind of standard. I don't have to perform at any kind of level. I just have to accept and believe in the one that who did everything for me. And in that moment, God justifies us and makes us right once and for all. The next word is the word sanctification. So we got justification now we got sanctification. And in Romans chapter number six, starting in verse number 15, the apostle Paul again talks about this idea of what it means to be sanctified. He says, what then, in verse number 15, should we sin because we are not under uh, law but under grace? Absolutely not. In other words, because you got saved, it's not a license for you to just go live any way that you want to live because your sin has been forgiven. He says, absolutely not. Do you not know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one that you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thank God, although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching that, that, were, that you were entrusted to. And having been liberated from sin, there's justification, okay? Having been liberated uh, from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I am using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to moral impurity, just as you lived according to the flesh before you got saved, uh, he says, and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in what? Sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from allegiance to righteousness. And what fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. 
But now, since you have been liberated from sin and become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. In other words, the works of our life bear evidence that we are a child of God and we have been justified in our sin. And the end is what? Eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So justification has to do with what happened when I said yes to Jesus. Sanctification is the present tense of salvation that signifies an ongoing renewal and a transformation and a change in my life through the work of God's spirit who is alive within me, who is helping me to be like Jesus. So let me try to make it simple, okay? Sanctified has to do with the daily process of surrendering to Jesus and learning to be like him. Sanctification is the daily process of learning to be like Jesus or surrendering to Jesus and learning to be like him. And church, listen, that's something that we will never master on this side of eternity. That's why grace is available to us when we make mistakes. But when we said yes to Jesus, we are sanctified. Now I begin the process and the journey of being sanctified, learning to be more like Jesus in my actions, in my attitudes, in my behavior, in my speech, in my relationships. I'm learning to be sanctified on on a daily basis. And then the third word is this idea of glorification. And in Romans chapter number eight, starting in verse number 29, here's what he says again to the church in Rome. He says, uh, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, uh, God wants us to be like Jesus. All right, that's the process of sanctification. God wants us to be like uh, the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? And this is a very familiar verse you've heard around Epic many, many times. If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies who is, the, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised, and he also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Listen to me, church. For those of us that know Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we need to understand that Jesus Christ, the living Son of God, the Bible says is at the right hand of God the Father today, and he's interceding for us when we blow it, when we make mistakes, and when the enemy attacks us. You know what he's doing? He's cheering us on. You've got everything that you need. You know who you are in Christ. You can make it. You can stand firm in your faith. You can fight the battle. Take up your armor. He is interceding for us on a daily basis. And then he says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger 
or sword? No, in verse 37, in all these things, we are more than what? Victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So we are justified when we get saved. We are sanctified as we're learning to live like Jesus and be more like him. And one day, glorification has to do with the future tense of our salvation, which is the removal of sin once and for all, for all of eternity. So glorified means the permanent removal of sin once and for all. And I'm so grateful that one day in eternity future, Jesus Christ, as King of kings and Lord of lords, is going to step out of heaven, and he's going to come back to this earth, and he is going to fix every single thing that's broken. He's going to deal with sin and the enemy once and for all, because he already paid the debt, he already won the victory, and now it's about establishing himself as, as King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you know Jesus Christ, as your Lord and as your Savior today, here's what I want you to know, okay? You are justified, you are being sanctified, and you will be glorified one day for all of eternity. And, and Jesus accomplished all of that when he died on the cross and was buried in a tomb and resurrected from the grave. That's, that's the idea of salvation. So when Paul says, take the helmet of salvation, he's talking specifically about our past, our present, and our future position in Christ and our ability to be victorious over the world, the flesh, and the enemy. It's our ability to be victorious. Again, it's not based on anything that we can do. It's based on who we are in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Colossae. Colossae in Colossians chapter two and verse number six. He said, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. That word walk there literally means has to do with our way of life our behavior as, as Christ's followers. He says, as you have received Christ, Christ Jesus as your Lord, walk in him. In other words, follow him. Let him fight the battle. Let him uh, be the one leading the charge out front in your life when the enemy stands against you. Our bottom line thought for today is this. The helmet of salvation not only assures us of heaven, but it also provides us with everything that we need while we're here on earth. Amen. The helmet of salvation not only assures us of heaven, but it also provides everything that we need while here on earth. How many of you have ever heard of uh, this family right here? Anybody remember this family right here? Remember the Beverly Hillbillies? Now listen to my story about a man named Jed. Poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food and up from the ground, come on, sing with it, came a bubbling crew, oil that is, black gold, Texas tea. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question today. When did Jed Clampett become a millionaire? Did he become a millionaire when he discovered the oil 
Or did he become a millionaire when he acquired the land? He became a millionaire when he acquired the land. And even though he struggled as a hillbilly, even after he, he had been living as a hillbilly for so long, he didn't realize and understood, understand what he had when he acquired the land. And even when he moved to Beverly Hills, you remember the story, the, the show? He still struggled with the hillbilly life and trying to, to figure out how to, how to act like a millionaire now and how to change his ways. How does that relate to salvation? All right, listen, the moment that we say yes to Jesus is the moment that we acquire everything that we need to be victorious over the enemy. In that moment, God provides everything that we need to stand firm in our faith against the attack of the enemy and to put on every piece of armor that's made available to us so that we can fight the fight, so that we can persevere, and so that we can place our faith and trust in Jesus to help us to be more like him every single day. So how do we apply this to our lives today? In the midst of our battle, I have to see myself the way that God sees me. When the enemy attacks and the battle is raging and the war is being fought, whether that's a war in your mind or whether it's a, a battle in your flesh, whether it's a, 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 it seems like all hell is broken loose in your, in your life uh, at, at work or in your family or there's a sickness or a disease all right, that in that moment when we said yes to Jesus, in the midst of the battle, I gotta see myself the way God sees me. Here's how God sees me. I am justified because I said yes to Jesus, just as if I'd never sinned. I am in the process of being sanctified on this side of eternity. I'm learning how to surrender to Jesus and to be more like him and to live my life in a way that honors and glorifies him. And one day in eternity future, when Jesus Christ comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I will ultimately be glorified and I will be glorified because he's going to wipe away my sin nature once and for all. And I am justified. I am sanctified, I am glorified. And as a result, you know what? I think differently, I act differently, I talk differently, and I live differently. Salvation is an amazing free gift we read just a moment ago in Romans. And it's available to anybody and everybody. Whether you're on campus or you're online, I don't care who you are, or where you're from, what you've done. Salvation is a free gift available to everybody. And it's what enables us to stand firm in our faith against the attack of the enemy. So I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And um, I'm just doing that so that you can have some personal time with God. And this is between you and God. I can't save you but I can point you to the one who can. And if you're here today and there's ever any doubt or question in your mind that if today were to be your last day on planet earth as to whether or not you would spend eternity in a perfect place called heaven, why not let's nail that down today? Why not let's, let's settle it once and for all? And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, here's how you do that. 
Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise from God. And if God is lying about that, then, then he's lying about everything. And God's not a liar. So I want to give you a moment today just to say yes to Jesus. And if you're already a Christ follower, I want to ask you to join me in prayer for folks that may be making that decision today. Would you just talk to God and say, God, I admit today that I'm a sinner. I know I'm not as perfect as you are. And by faith, I believe today that Jesus is your son, that he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and he resurrected from the grave. So today, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Help me to learn to be like you. And I'm asking you to take me to heaven one day when I die. If that's the attitude of your heart, the Bible says you can be saved. I'm just curious if there's anybody here today, you would say, Pastor Brian, I, I, I prayed that prayer in this moment. I just want to be able to pray for you. Is anybody like that? Would you just slip your hand up and put it, put it right back down, whether on campus or online? Okay, thank you. I see one to my left. Thank you. For those of you that are watching online, right where you're at, you can say yes to Jesus and ask him to be your Lord, to be your Savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And if you make that decision today, please reach out to us. Type it in the chats. I invited Jesus into my life. And you'll be beginning the process of sanctification today learning how to be like Jesus and to live for him, to stand firm in your faith and fight the battle. Jesus, thank you for salvation. God, thank you that you loved us enough that you made a way for us to be justified, that you're helping us to be sanctified as Christ followers. And one day, ultimately, you're gonna glorify us in your presence uh, forever and ever. And God, I thank you for every person on campus, for every person watching online today. Lord, certainly I don't know the condition of their heart, but I'm grateful um, for these folks that have said yes to you today. And Lord, I pray for every Christ follower uh, within the sound of my voice today, that you'd help us to see ourselves the way that you see us, that we are justified, we are sanctified, we are glorified. We have everything we need in a relationship with you to fight the battle and to live life to the fullest and experience victory over the enemy that we face. So God, give us a new awareness of that today. Give us a new consciousness of who you are. And uh, when we face the enemy this week, help us to stand firm and to fight because of what you have done for us and because of who we are in you. For it's all these things I pray and ask in your name today. Amen. I kind of invite you to stand to your feet if you're able. Our band's going to lead us in one more song. It's called Living Hope. Pay attention to the words of this song because it talks about what we've learned today from God's Word. Hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next week.